You've surely read the headlines, Bruce Willis is stepping away from acting. Do a quick search for the actor, along with the career retrospectives and heartfelt appreciations, you'll likely come across articles citing the reason for his leave, aphasia. The language disorder, often associated with strokes and traumatic brain injuries, but not exclusively so, is the reason for the decision. In response to the announcement, former U.S. Congresswoman Gabby Giffords shared her perspective, one she's gained living a life with aphasia. In 2011, Giffords was shot during an assassination attempt. The injury to her brain resulted in aphasia. In her Washington Post op-ed, titled, Aphasia Makes It Hard For Me To Speak, That I Have Not Lost My Voice, Giffords discusses her life with the language disorder, giving a special shout-out to her SLP, Fabi Hirsch. Fabi is dedicated to helping those with aphasia, acting as CEO and Director of Clinical Services for the nonprofit Friends of Aphasia. She co-founded the organization with Gabby Giffords. I spoke with Fabi in April about working with high-profile clients with aphasia and the importance of public awareness about the language disorder. Aphasia is when someone loses the ability, or at least part of the ability, to communicate. And often we think of that just in terms of speaking, but it can also impact a person's ability to take information in, so comprehending when others are speaking, and also reading and writing. But the important thing to note is that it's an impairment of communication versus an impairment of cognition. So the cognitive skills, the thinking skills of someone who has aphasia, those are typically still intact, strong as ever. It's really just the language piece that's impacted by aphasia. Part of the reason that we're having this conversation is the recent headlines around Bruce Willis. His ex-wife, Demi Moore, wrote, quote, Bruce has been experiencing some health issues and has recently been diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities, end quote. You're saying these are separate issues, perhaps. Yeah. So, you know, it's really hard to know what's going on there, and I certainly don't want to speculate at all. But certainly we, as speech pathologists who work with people who have aphasia, always really want to make that distinction between the language piece and the cognition piece. And a big part of that is because you can imagine when somebody's trying to communicate and the wrong word comes out or they haven't quite picked something up correctly when somebody was talking to them. And so they respond in a way that doesn't seem quite right, just simply because they haven't gotten the message in correctly. Those can often really look like a cognitive problem, right? That the person doesn't have the thinking skills quite intact. So we're often trying to clarify that distinction because People who have aphasia typically have those thinking skills, those cognitive skills all intact and want to ensure that people understand that and recognize that it's just the struggle with getting to the words, that all those thinking skills are there and they are able to make their decisions and do all those important tasks. It's just a matter of how to accommodate the language problems. But that being said, there are different causes of aphasia. Predominantly, it's 
a result of a stroke or a traumatic brain injury, but there is a type of aphasia called primary progressive aphasia. And in that case, the parts of the brain responsible for language deteriorate. And as they increasingly deteriorate, the language skills are impacted and you see very typical aphasia types of difficulties or problems. So word finding difficulties and comprehension difficulties, hard time making sentences sometimes. But as the disease progresses and other parts of the brain are impacted, you see the cognitive types of difficulties you might expect that go along with brain degeneration. So things like memory difficulties might start showing up later. And things like not being able to manage your daily activities. Um, But that's not to say at all what Bruce Willis and his family might be dealing with. We have no idea. But certainly, the types of things we see in aphasia are sometimes misconstrued as cognitive difficulties, but there is a type of aphasia that does have a cognitive component. But without knowing more, all I can say is that we are so thankful for Bruce Willis and his family being so brave to share his aphasia diagnosis with the world. And our hearts really just go out to him and his family. Aphasia is a very difficult thing to be diagnosed with and to live with. And I'm hoping that the awareness that comes from them being so brave allows other people to recognize that they're not alone and to seek out services that are available in their communities. I want to talk about that awareness. Your client and partner at Friends of Aphasia, Gabby Giffords, has been open about her experience with aphasia. Her op-ed is just one example of this. When she attended the 2012 ASHA convention, she accepted the Annie Glenn Award with her husband, Mark Kelly. Thinking of this and the recent appearance of Bruce Willis in the headlines that you just mentioned, I understand that part of the mission of the nonprofit Friends of Aphasia is to increase awareness and education. How important is it to have a recognizable name or face for aphasia? I think it is really important for the word aphasia to be put out into the spotlight. And I think maybe the only way that that really happens is when people can see somebody who they admire and want to know more about that that person is living with aphasia and kind of prompts a desire to have a more in-depth understanding about something when it impacts somebody who they feel like they admire and respect and have followed and are familiar with, even if it's just from seeing someone on a screen, for example, with Bruce Willis. You know, often people don't learn about aphasia until it directly impacts them or a family member. And this is sort of a broader way people are learning about aphasia because it impacts somebody who they feel they know, although certainly not as directly as maybe a family member. Does having someone who other people are familiar with, do you think it means something to people with aphasia? How do they react to seeing this news or just seeing this news being covered? So I think all of our group members at the Aphasia Center of Tucson reacted in a positive way to the announcement, 
in so much as really wanting to feel supportive and feeling very compassionate towards learning of another person living with aphasia. Because I think that is one of the big values of our aphasia groups is just being with other people who have aphasia. So being in a place where everyone really understands it, to be able to expand that understanding into the more general population, I think is really valuable. So that when somebody is out having a conversation or interacting as best they can with somebody, now to be able to indicate that they have aphasia or show a card that shows that they have aphasia, all of a sudden there's a greater level of understanding because the name, the word aphasia has been out in the more popular media, I guess. And so more people just understand. And I can just give an example. Somebody asked me recently what I do, and I mentioned my work with Friends of Aphasia. And I was able to say, so, you know, aphasia, you may have heard the recent announcement from Bruce Willis and his family. And right away, people were really drawn in and wanted to talk more about it and were very interested in what we do and very excited to hear that we have a resource in our community to help people living with aphasia. So I do think it helps me increase awareness locally by having the name aphasia, the word aphasia, out in the public eye. This is a condition that affects 2 million people. So to those 2 million people, I'm sure that's appreciated. Yeah. So 2 million people just in the US and actually likely many more than that. But certainly it is not well known, but it is not rare by any means. It's more common than Parkinson's disease. It's more common than multiple sclerosis. Yet we still struggle with getting people to understand and recognize what aphasia is. When the news that Bruce Willis would be stepping away from acting came to light, a few people mentioned to me that they'd like to hear from his SLP. We don't know who that is or we don't officially know if he's working with an SLP right now. But, but I know that you know through your work with Gabby Giffords, you know what it's like to work with a high-profile client, someone whose communication is central to their public identity in a lot of ways and to what they do. I'm sure with many clients, you're not going to be receiving questions about them. But with someone high profile, whether it's Gabby Giffords or, or someone else that's in the public light, there's a chance that people will ask questions. Could you talk about in the beginning how you navigated that confidentiality and how you showed that respect to your clients? Is it different from what you might offer other clients or how did that work? I wouldn't say that it's different from what I offer other clients. My first commitment is towards my patients and then to their families and loved ones. In that respect, everyone is treated the same. I do, as you mentioned, get more interest from others in my work with Gabby so early on, I did not even identify myself as Gabby's speech-language pathologist. It wasn't until after her book came out in which I was named did I feel more comfortable just even identifying myself as her speech-language pathologist. I do often get questions from people 
And it's usually out of the best intention, people wanting to know that she's doing well. I don't talk about our therapy sessions with anyone unless she has given me permission to do so. I don't talk about our treatment approaches or anything specific to her progress. All of that is very confidential in nature. And anything I do share, it's because I've been given an explicit okay from her or her family to share something. And Gabby and her husband, Mark, and her whole like family and team around her, they are really just wonderful at wanting to educate people about aphasia. And so I always have really appreciated how willing they are to continue to be out in the public eye pursuing such important missions and all the while doing it with aphasia being a really big part of their lives. You talked about how in the beginning you wouldn't identify yourself as the SLP you're working with, with Gabby Giffords. And when someone has a public reputation and they're being covered in the news or on social media, it's very possible that you might be reading something that either alludes to or reflects something about the work that you do with that client. I'm wondering what that experience is like for you, especially if you come across something that might be incorrect. Are you ever tempted to correct them or jump in? Early on in my work with Gabby, Mark Kelly, Gabby's husband, had recommended that I not read a lot on social media about Gabby. And I'll Just give an example, Gabby was preparing for a speech, and I often will look at YouTube videos to see if I can find somebody posting something about the speech so that I can get a feel for how she's doing when she's not here and when she's giving speeches during her travels, just so I can keep an eye on how she's doing. And I always ask her for feedback as well on how it went. But sometimes it's really great for me to see a video of how it actually went. And in some of those searches, I did come across things that were very upsetting to me. So I understand Mark's rationale in suggesting that I not look at a lot of things on social media, because as much as There are so many people who just love Gabby and are so thankful for the work she does and have just her best interests at heart. There are people who who don't. And so there will be mentions about how she's faking things, you know, that they saw her arm move. It's she doesn't really have right sided weakness. And I was quite honestly just shocked. And so I don't look so much at things like that anymore. But it is disheartening to see those kinds of things out there when you you know the person so well, and you know the struggles and you know the hard work to have that discounted. That's it's just, it's difficult. On this subject, there was one story in particular, which Fabi wanted to share. After a particular speech, there was a copy 
of the actual handwritten version of the speech made available to the media. And so there were people who commented on that speech and the handwriting. I think they referred to it as juvenile or, you know, that it was large print and I can't recall the exact wording, but to suggest that I think it was like childlike handwriting and, you know, implying that, you know, Gabby had written it in that way. And I just had to laugh because I wrote that. (laughs) That was my childlike, large handwriting. (laughs) So, you know, you just, when you see things in the media, you really need to be cautious because people assume a lot and, and make a lot of judgments based on those assumptions. And so I just thought that was particularly funny in that case, but it's often not, not that funny. Well, I want to close by reading a quote from her. This is from the op-ed she wrote for the Washington Post. She says, quote, my message for Bruce Willis and for everyone out there struggling with aphasia or any other communication disorder is that you're not alone. I'm here for you. We are here for each other and together we're going to get through this and be stronger for it, end quote. As an SLP, you have a specific way of being there for people with aphasia and communication disorders. But what advice might you have for people who want to be there and support those with aphasia outside of the office of an SLP? I would strongly recommend that people try to find resources in their communities. And that can be as simple as typing in aphasia and Tucson to find friends of aphasia here. But in each of their communities that they look to find the resources that are available to them. And then on the national and international levels to seek out the resources that are available from organizations like the National Aphasia Association. They have a search tool to help people find resources in their own communities, as well as resources that are available more generally across the U.S., Fabi Hirsch, I want to thank you so much for your time today and for being a guest on ASHA Voices. Thanks so much for having me. Fabi Hirsch is an SLP. She's the CEO and Director of Clinical Services for the nonprofit Friends of Aphasia, which she founded with Gabby Giffords, who is also her client. Learn more about aphasia through the ASHA Practice Portal and the ASHA Evidence Map. We'll put links on the blog post for this episode at on.asha.org podcast. While you're there, find links to many news stories on aphasia published by the ASHA Leader, including a recent article about the language disorder that was spurred by the Bruce Willis announcement. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader magazine. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.